Amen. wonder if we could turn to the Psalm 132 tonight. The Psalm 132, it's uh, slightly longer but still not long. And we will read through the verses of the Psalm. So Psalm 132, in beginning our reading at verse 1. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he sware unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it in uh, at Ephrata, we found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacle. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it of the fruit, uh, fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children also shall sit uh, upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Amen. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious and infallible word to our hearts for his name's sake. Now Psalm 132 um, starts off the concluding trilogy of Psalms that we have in the Songs of Degrees. And you'll see that it is a little bit unusual and it's a bit longer than the other songs of degrees. And the subject matter is more historical than many of the other songs of degrees. Now, you'll notice that it says, Lord, remember David. But uh, many of the commentators will say that probably the psalm was written by Solomon because there is uh, uh, very much of the language that was used by Solomon in the dedication of the temple. You can see echoes of that kind of language here. And really what he's then doing is looking back to David, his father, and to the desire that he had to uh, build a temple for God and to uh, bring that place where God could dwell among his people. So you'll see, first of all, that this psalm uh, refers to, uh, uh, to historical events. It speaks of David's desire 
uh, to bring the ark into Jerusalem and the, followed by God's promise to David that he would give him uh, his sons upon the throne of Israel forever that covenant blessing that God gave and you'll see most of the psalm has reference to the ark of the covenant where God uh, dwells among his people where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt among his people and so you'll see the two promises there one focuses on the rule of the Messiah and the other uh, of God's presence amongst his people coming to dwell amongst them in time to come so there are those historical events there are also prophetic events and you'll see at the end of the psalm it begins to speak about God's promise the covenant promise to David and uh, about the reign of the one who would come the one who would sit upon the throne of Israel so there is that uh, fulfillment of the promise in the Lord Jesus Christ in his coming in the first place when he was born as a babe in Bethlehem but also there is reference to his coming again and his millennial reign and then to the new heavens and the new earth and there's much that speaks of Christ in the portion of scripture in David we have one of the clearest types of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have in the Bible and you will find in the Bible that there's so much about David when you count up the uh, chapters that are uh, given the count of David you'll find that there are probably 42 chapters in the word of God and there is nobody else that has as much attention focused upon them as David and we think of David as a man after God's own heart a man who uh, represents our saviour the Lord Jesus Christ and we think of his coming again but not only is the psalm historical and prophetic but it is uh, theological and liturgical because it centers on the worship of God it centers in the midst of difficulties and he says in the first verse Lord remember David and all his afflictions but then he goes on and he speaks in terms of worship here he is in the midst of hardship and affliction but he's still able to worship his God and we come similarly in the midst of the hardships and difficulties of life we come to worship God so we go through the psalm here and it's my job to break down these 18 verses and see the full scope of biblical revelation many, in many ways here in this portion of scripture and first of all then I want you to see the man of God's pledge to God now look at verses 1 to 9 and if you look at verse 2 you'll see something about the pledge it says how he swear unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob and here's the pledge here's the vow that is made and perhaps the vow is summarized in verses 4 and 5 he says I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob so here's David he swears an oath to God that he's going to build a place for God's 
presence to rest. He's going to build a temple for the Lord. And it's not surprising then that the pilgrims going up to the temple in later days should sing about these events, these historical events that brought the temple into being. This is the place that is the center of their worship. And so they go singing. They're full of joy as they go to Jerusalem, to the place where the temple is. But notice the remembrance that is sought here. Look at verse 1. He says, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. And really here what he wants to do is uh, to call upon God to remember. You know, we think of many times in the Bible where it speaks about God remembering and how we want God to come and remember us. He says, remember David. And you know, when we think about those times in the Bible where it calls uh, upon uh, remembrance, we think of how God remembered Noah and assuaged the flood. We read how God remembered Lot in Sodom and delivered him out of that place. He remembered Rachel and Hannah and gave them children. He remembered with mercy the house of Israel. And we think of this choice song now that uh, the pilgrims sing, uh, uh, that uh, remember David and all his afflictions. And we think of that verse, he remembered us in our lowest state for his mercy endureth forever. And so how we need the remembrance of God. Oh, that God would look down upon us. That God would remember us. Here was the David and he's in afflictions. And you think about the afflictions here. There, there were many afflictions in David's life. There were many hardships that he went through. He had to flee from Saul. And he had to dwell in uh, caves. And he had to flee then later when he became king from his own son who was rising up in rebellion against him. But that's not the hardship that we're talking about here. The hardship that we're talking about here is the way that the ark of God was brought to Jerusalem. And you remember how that um, they were bringing up the ark from the uh, f floor, the threshing floor uh, uh, in, in Kirjath Jairam. And you remember how Yusra put forth his hand to steady the ark as it uh, began to fall. And we read how he, in this irreverent act, was punished by God. And how that God destroyed him in the midst. And there was David's desire brought to a sudden halt. And there was the hardship. And it stopped David for many years from bringing up the ark into the place where it uh, should be. And he was afraid to do it. And for a long time, he wouldn't bring up the ark of God. But now he just says, Lord, remember David. Lord, I want to worship you. I, I want to bring a, a place where you will be worshipped and where you'll be glorified. Remember us. And surely tonight as we come into this place, it is our prayer that God would remember us. Not only 
do we see the remembrance sought? But look at the resolution that is made. Look at the verse there. He says in verse 4, I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find it a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. And you remember the story how that David is bringing the ark up and as we said, there was the breach upon Uzzah as it were and we think of all that took place there. But then we think of how David proposed the building of an ark he or building of a temple and how God said, no, you're a man of war and you can't do it. And you think of how David was disappointed and yet then he entered into the desire to, uh, to gather all of the materials that were necessary for the building of the temple. And it's a good job that God took the will for the deed because really uh, David had made his resolution and his vow that he speaks about here. He says he swear unto the Lord and he never fulfilled that. But God took the will for the deed and God was willing to allow him to gather the stuff for the building of the temple. But you see here, while he had gone ahead of God and while he should have waited for God and for his will, nevertheless, you see in the resolution that he makes his real desire to do well for God. He wants God to remember him. And he resolves within his heart that he will do what he can in order to make sure the worship of God is going forward. The resolution that he made. But then look at the relationship that is em emphasized. You notice, look at verse 2. How he swear unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Now, you'll wonder why it is, he's speaking there. Why does it not just say God? He swear unto God. It uses the term the mighty God of Jacob. Well, I think there's a deliberate use there because you'll remember that there was a time when Jacob swore unto the Lord. You remember when he was fleeing after that he had deceived his father Jacob and robbed uh, uh, Esau of his inheritance of the birthright. And you remember how he was sleeping outside in the place that was to become Bethel and he dreamed a dream of the stairway and the ladder reaching to heaven and the Lord upon the ladder. And in Genesis 28 it says, And Jacob waked out of sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And the next day he took a stone and he placed it uh, there for a pillar to mark uh, the place. And uh, he called it Bethel, which means the house of God. And then it says in Genesis 28 verses 20 to 22, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in his way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, 
And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So there's Jacob, and he swears to God, and he says that this place, I come again to my father's house, and this place will be a house of God. It will be a place where God will dwell. So I think that David really is thinking about that. And now he comes 900 years later. And he's also swearing to make a house for God. And he's also swearing for, uh, to bring this, this place where God can be worshipped. And so he is reminding God of the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, desire that Jacob had so very long ago. But you notice it's not just even the God of Jacob. It's the mighty God of Jacob. And he is speaking how that God was mighty on behalf of Jacob. How God blessed Jacob. And uh, even though he was an old deceiver, God had mercy upon him. And God blessed him. Blessed him in Paddan Aram. Blessed him when he came back to his own house blessed him in so many ways and God blessed him he is the mighty God of Jacob and here is David or Solomon speaking there about what David did and now he's reminding God of the uh, fact of what he has done and there's this relationship emphasized this God is the mighty God of Jacob and the God that we worship is also the mighty God of Jacob and the mighty God of David. And as we seek to worship him, we come into his presence and thank God that he dwells in our hearts tonight and that we can worship him. But one more thing I want you to see about David's pledge to God here. Look at the regard that is expressed. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, Look, we heard of it at Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles we will worship at his footstool. And then it says, Arise, O Lord, unto thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Now, when you look at those uh, verses, it is very um, uh, good and necessary to have a knowledge of the history of the Bible. Because you'll see there the word Ephrata. Now, Ephrata usually refers to Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrata. And it was the place where the Lord Jesus Christ was born. And probably there's a, 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 um, a reference to that. But many of the commentators will say that really what is being referred to here is the tribe of Ephraim, to Ephraim's uh, territory, where Shiloh was, where the ark of God was situated for many years. In Judges 12 verse 5, the Hebrew word Ephrata refers to an Ephraimite. And then it speaks about the fields of the wood. Now, the fields of the wood are mentioned in verse 6. And that is a reference to Kerjath Jiram, where the ark remained for 20 years. So you have Shiloh, where the ark of God dwelt for a long time. Then you have Kerjath Jiram, where the ark of God dwelt for a long time and then when you look at the phrase in verse 7 um, there are echoes of what Moses said um, about the Shekinah glory 
of God or the cloudy fiery pillar that rested upon the ark. In Numbers chapter 10 verses 35 and 36, this is what Moses said. Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. Now, you'll see what it says there in the verse 8. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest. So there's a reference to what uh, Moses said about the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God. And the psalmist uh, really here is speaking about God's presence because the Ark signified God's presence. And what we need amongst us tonight, above all other things, is the presence of God. We need the Lord to come amongst us. We think of Ephrat or Ephraim or Shiloh as the place where God was, Kirjath Jairam as the place where God was, the Shekinah glory as the representation of the presence of God. And that's what we need in this day. He says, Arise, O Lord, unto thy rest. And how that the Lord would come and rest among his people today. So we notice the man of God's pledge to God. But then I want you to see the man of God's prayer to God. Look at uh, verse 10 there. And verse, uh, look at verses 8 to 10. Uh, verses 8 and uh, 9. He says, Arise, O Lord, unto thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Now you'll notice that in that uh, portion of scripture there are three petitions. The first petition is that God and the ark of his might would enter into the resting place. O Lord, arise, O Lord, unto thy rest. And as we said, it's a reference to the prayer of Moses in Numbers chapter 10. And we might certainly imagine this verse being prayed by Solomon at the opening of the temple and the great desire that God would come down, that the, the glory of God would fill the place as it did. How we want the glory of God to come and fill the place. Arise, O Lord, unto thy rest, thou in the ark of thy strength. We think of Moses and he cried, if thy presence go not with me, carry me not up hence. That's the first petition. Then there's the second petition. He says, Lord, uh, clothe, uh, let the priests be clothed with righteousness and let thy saints shout with joy. So there's the petition that the Lord's priests be filled with righteousness or clothed with righteousness. And no uh, garment, of course, is so resplendent as a holy character. We think of how the uh, robes were upon the high priest in the Old Testament and upon uh, the mitre that was upon his head were, was the legend holiness unto the Lord. And how we need to have that righteousness and holiness as we... Uh, follow God and serve God. 
how the ministers of the temple, how God's people need to have that holiness and righteousness about us. And then he says, and let thy saints shout for joy. Holiness and happiness go together. They're just two sides of the one coin. If you have that holiness and that walk with God, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. That blessedness uh, uh, that we know as we seek the Lord. And we think of that happiness that comes upon the people of God. Clothe thy priests with righteousness. And then look at the third petition. That God would turn not his face away from his anointed one. Uh, he says in verse 10, For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. And here's a prayer then for favor. Don't turn your face away. Turn your face towards us, Lord. Don't in any way abandon us. Turn towards us. And that's what he does. And he says, he prays this for David's sake. And of course, we think of King David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a greater uh, argument as we come. He was saying, do this for David's sake. But we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come because of the grounds and merits of Calvary. And we say to the Lord, come on our behalf. Come and dwell with us. Do it for thy great son's sake. For the sake of what our Savior accomplished there on the center cross of Calvary. So there's the man of God's pledge to God and the man of God's prayer to God. But then I want you to see the man of God's promise from God. Look at verses 10 to 12. Verses 11 and 12. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony, that I shall teach them, their children also uh, shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. Now, what is this promise that God gives here to David? Well, you notice that it's the promise of a Messiah. If you look at verse 10, he speaks about the face of thine anointed. And um, the anointed one there is a name of the Messiah. The name Messiah just actually means anointed one. So here is a prayer here uh, for the promise of the coming of the Messiah. And we think of how the Lord Jesus Christ then fulfilled this here. He is the one who brings our blessings. As we are united with Christ, all of the blessings that we have flow to us. And we thank God for the coming of our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is there the promise of the Messiah, there's the promise to establish David's throne. This is the great covenant promise. Look again now, look at verses 11 and 12. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. This is the covenant promise. He will not turn from it. So God will not turn from this. Of the fruit of thy body will I sit upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant, my testimony, that I shall teach them, their children also shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. God says, I will not, uh, I will not turn from it. 
Now, speaking of David's material and his physical posterity, there was a condition. He says, if thy children will keep my covenant, I will not turn from it. But then there is a, a, more, fu- a, a, a more full fulfillment of this. And that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think of how the Lord Jesus Christ fully uh, is the Messiah. He's the one who sits upon the throne of David. We think of how he was of the house and lineage of David. He was and is the king of the Jews. He was given the heathen for his inheritance. He must reign and his kingdom shall have no end. And we think of how when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, there will be that setting up of the kingdom. And it will go on forever and forever. And we rejoice in the fulfillment of God's covenant promises. He says that he will not turn from it. And thank God we can depend upon the promises of God. So we see the man of God's promises from God. One more thing I want you to see, and that's the man of God's provision from God. Look at verses 13 to 18. Now notice the God's provision of his dwelling. Look at verses 13 and 14. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, it, 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 he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. So these verses tell us that God has chosen Zion. The people of God are, uh, for, uh, are uh, for, for his ultimate dwelling place. Zion is not just the physical uh, city of Jerusalem, uh, but we think of the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, the heavenly Zion. And we think of how that is God's dwelling place forever and forever. And we think about the uh, blessings that are everlasting blessing. It says in Isaiah 66 and verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye may build unto me and where is the place of my rest? And we think of how God has that rest forever, that universal reign that he will have forever. There is the provision of his dwelling. And then there's the provision of salvation. Look at verses 15 and 16. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Now much of this is an answer to what has been prayed. We spoke about the man of God's prayer. And one of the things that he prayed, he said in verse 9, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. And here's the answer to that. He says, I will clothe her priests with salvation. So God has expanded this. And he says, not only is there that righteousness, but He has clothed us with salvation. And you know what God has done for his people. We are told in 1 Peter 2, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth forth the praises of him 
who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are God's priests, clothed with righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, and clothed with salvation. And we rejoice. There's God's provision. We can rejoice in that. And then there's God's provision of a reign. R-E-I-G-N. Um, the, uh, his ruling. Look at verses 17 and 18. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. The horn in the Old Testament, of course, is the symbol of strength. The lamp is the symbol of light, of life, of goodness, and all of these things. And the crown there speaks of Christ's rule and reign. And here's the climax of the whole psalm. Here's what will happen in Zion. David has a desire to build a place, a temple for his God. And here is God's promise to David that the uh, rule of David's house will continue forever. There will be no end of God's kingdom. And what a beautiful psalm, Psalm 132 is. There are promises in it stretching from Genesis to Revelation. We have Jacob there in the book of Genesis and his desire to build a house for God. And then we come to the book of Revelation and the end times and the millennial temple and the uh, new Jerusalem and the place where God will be worshipped throughout all eternity. And God says, there will I make. He said, I have sworn and will not turn from it. And we can rest upon these wonderful and marvelous promises tonight. Oh, here's the man of God. He comes with a vow to God. He is really in earnest that God might have the best. And may we, with all our hearts, want the best for our God as well. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite together, please, the throne of grace and prayer. Many of you will know that our sister Mooring went through a, a, a um, highly risky operation today. Um, you, she has been ill and she took turn for the worse. Uh, and we were asking you to pray today that uh, she would be able to come through the operation and the Lord has answered prayer in that degree. Um, but we would ask you to continue to pray for her because uh, even the time of recovery still is risky. So do continue to pray. Remember her and William and the family. Pray that God in his mercy uh, will uh, put his hand upon our sister and raise her uh, back up to health and strength. So we'd ask you please particularly to pray for that. But also would you pray for a family and friends meeting on the Lord's Day and pray for Brother Donald Fleming as he comes that he'll be brought here in safety and that many might be brought under the sound of the word of God 
and that God in his mercy might uh, uh, look down upon us and that indeed as the psalmist said that he would remember us and come and bless us. So let's just unite together at the throne of grace and prayer and maybe you don't normally pray in the prayer meeting and you don't need to pray too long and you don't need to pray eloquently either. Um, you can pray with all of your heart uh, and cry unto God. So let's seek the face of the Lord tonight and let's really pray with all of our souls. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts again tonight. We thank, Lord, of the desire of David to build a temple for God. And yet, Lord, how he was thwarted in that and how he was not allowed to do that. And we recognize the wisdom of God and we recognize thy plans and purposes. And sometimes they're not just in accordance with what we uh, think in all of its details. But, Lord, we thank thee that thou dost know the end from the beginning Lord, we thank thee for David's uh, desire to gather up all of the resources for the building of the temple. And we thank thee that there was a place established where God came down. Thou dost bless that temple with thy presence. And Lord, we come like the psalmist and we say, Lord, remember us. We thank thee for the fact that God has uh, set his plans in order. We thank thee that they are yea and amen. We thank thee we can depend upon the promises of God. And we thank thee for the many promises of answer to prayer that we have in thy word. And we just do remember our sister Maureen again tonight. We'd ask thee that thou wouldst be with her in the hospital bed. We pray that thy grace might be given to her, that thou wouldst strengthen her uh, in the incoming hours, and Lord, that thou wast to uh, safeguard from all uh, complications, and we pray for the help of God even upon this matter. Lord, do help, we pray, and do remember the meeting on the Lord's Day, all the meetings, but Lord, particularly as our brother comes to testify, and we'd ask thee that thou wast be pleased to bring many in unto the sound of the Word of God, Bless us today, we pray. Help us as we pray. Pour out the spirit of supplication upon us and bless abundantly as we seek thy face. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen.